The Yankees are on fire, and the media starts paying closer attention to the M&M Boys. It's episode 15 of Baseball 61. There it is. There it is. If it stays fair, there it is, number 60. How about that? A standing ovation for Roger Maris, who got number 60. Fastball hits deep to right. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Baseball 61, a podcast about the historic 1961 New York Yankees and the Major League Baseball season of 1961. I'm Dan Lavallo. We resume with Friday, July 28th. The day began with the Yankees announcing they had acquired Bob Hale from the Cleveland Indians for $20,000. That's uh, the waiver price, $20,000. He was a left-hand bat. An infielder at a 161 batting average with the Indians, and the Yankees said he would be used exclusively as a pinch hitter. As for the game, some 39,623 turned out to watch Bud Daly pitch for the Yankees against Skinny Brown of the Orioles. When the dust settled in a handsome two hours, Brown had shut out the Bombers 4-0, helped by home runs from Gus Triandos and Jackie Brandt. Mickey Mantle did get three hits, and Roger Maris won. Before the game, Orioles manager Paul Richards outlined his club strategy for pitching to the M&M boys. Quote, Pitching is a continual chess game. The idea is to try and get the batter out with a certain delivery, but the pitcher must set him up for it. Of course, the batter is playing chess, too. Take Yogi Berra. If you get him out with a certain pitch the first time he comes up, you'd better not let him see that pitch again in the 8th or ninth inning. Almost every slugger has a weakness, but you can't get him out by pitching mediocre stuff to that weakness, especially not if he's looking for such a pitch. Yes, mainly you have to out-anticipate and out-guess them. As for the standings, the Tigers also lost, so at 64-34, and the Yankees were still in first place by one game over Detroit. Saturday, July 29th. It was old-timers day at Yankee Stadium, but the threat of rain kept the attendance down. 60,000 were expected, but 42,990 turned out. Following the pregame ceremonies, which were emceed by the voice of the Yankees, Mel Allen, and where Joe DiMaggio received the largest ovation, the Yankees and Orioles locked horns with Whitey Ford pitching for New York and knuckleball pitcher Hoyt Wilhelm for the Orioles. Two hours and eight minutes later, Ford had his 19th win of the season against only two losses as the Yankees held on for a 5-4 win. Ford hurled the distance, allowing four runs on seven hits. He walked three and struck out seven. Maris and Mantle were once again held homerless. Roger didn't play, and Mickey went 0-4. Yogi Berra played right field and homered for the Yanks. He and Bobby Richardson each had two runs battered in, while Ford added an RBI. While the Yankees were winning, improving to 65-34, and 34, the Tigers were losing again, dropping two games behind first place New York. Meanwhile, in the National League, the Dodgers' victory combined with Cincinnati's loss moved L.A. into first place by two percentage points over the Reds. Sunday, July 30th. The Orioles were trying to make a statement. And in front of 57,180 fans, they did. 
sweeping the Yankees a doubleheader, 4-0 and 2-1. In the two-hour and 30-minute first game, Steve Barber, who would someday pitch for the Yankees during their lean years, tossed a seven-hit complete game shutout, striking out six and walking three. Bill Stafford suffered the loss. In the second game, Dick Williams, yes, that Dick Williams, who would someday fashion a career as a Hall of Fame manager, broke a 1-1 deadlock with a ninth-inning RBI double, and the Birds had a 2-1 win in the two-hour and 53-minute game. Bud Daly, who was the starter and loser on Friday night, entered the ninth inning in relief and suffered yet another loss. The second game ended when Cleet Boyer was called out on strikes with the bases loaded, leading to a violent argument between manager Ralph Houck and plate umpire Ed Hurley. Several Yankee players and the three other umpires had to pull Houck away from Hurley, who claimed Houck bumped him. <laughs> the major, he wasn't happy. Entering the second All-Star break, the Yankees, because the Tigers had lost again, stood at 65-36, and 36, a game and a half ahead of Detroit. The Orioles at 58-46 and 46 were in third place, eight and a half games out. In the National League, the Dodgers were in first place by half a game over Cincinnati after they beat Pittsburgh, while the Reds and Cubs split a doubleheader. L.A. had a 62-38 and 38 record. Monday, July 31st. It was the second All-Star game of the season, and it made history with Fenway Park serving as the backdrop. The contest ended in a 1-1 deadlock, called after nine innings because of rain, the first tie in 31 All-Star games. The American League's lone run scored in the first inning when Rocky Calavito homered off of Bob Perkey into the screen. The National League tied it in the sixth inning when future Yankees broadcaster Bill White tied the game with an infield single off of Red Sox pitcher Don Schwall. The AL had a chance to win it in the ninth when Al Kaline opened the frame with a single and stole second. But Stu Miller managed to strike out Mickey Mantle, Elston Howard, and Roy Seavers of the White Sox in succession. And after two hours and 27 minutes, the game was called because of rain, much to the dismay of 31,851. A 1-1-9 inning tie at Fenway Park, and you believe it. Meanwhile, columnists were hinting it might be time to end the two All-Star game per season concept, what with wind disrupting the first game at Candlestick Park and rain at Fenway. Tuesday, August 1st. There were no games on this date, but baseball was making news. The Players Association, yes, they did have an association back then, but it was not powerful. The Players Association voted to continue the two All-Star game per season concept. The Players Association received gate receipts from these games, and the players' attorney, Robert Cannon, reasoned two All-Star games per season would get more cities into the All-Star rotation mix. Meanwhile, Ralph Houck paid the price for his run-in with umpire Ed Hurley, learning he had been fined $250 and suspended five days for his run-in with Hurley. American League President Joe Cronin handed down the penalty, the most severe he had issued in two years as president. Yankees GM Roy Hamey called the penalty, quote, entirely too severe. Hauk learned about the penalty on the radio as he was driving home to Saddlebrook, New Jersey from a fishing trip. He also called the penalty too tough. Hauk's suspension would last from August 1st 
even though it was an off day for Major League Baseball and run through Sunday. Hawk will make out the lineup cards, but Frank Crosetti will manage the team and pitching coach Johnny Sane will handle the pitching changes. Wednesday, August 2nd. The Yankees returned to action following the All-Star break and swept the Kansas City Athletics a doubleheader. In the opener, a two-hour and 36-minute affair, Whitey Ford was denied his 20th win of the season when he failed to retire a batter in the ninth inning. And KC came back to tie it 5-5 with two runs in the ninth. The Yanks scored the winning run in the bottom of the ninth when Roger Maris opened the frame with a single. Mickey Mantle followed with a double, and after Elston Howard was walked intentionally and Yogi Berra fouled out, Bob Serve grounded the ball to the infield and Maris scored the winning run on a collision at home plate with catcher Joe Pignatano, who was charged with an error. Luis Sorroyo came away with a victory. Joe Pignatano would someday be a coach for the New York Mets. In the second game, the Yankees bombed the Athletics 12-5 as Mickey Mantle slugged his 40th home run of the season off of former Yankee Art Dittmar. The game, played in two hours and 16 minutes, made a winner of Ralph Terry, who improved to 7-1. Hal Reniff picked up his first save as 23,616 watched the first-place Yankees improve to 67-36 and and increased their lead over the second-place Tigers to two-and-a-half games after Detroit split a doubleheader with Washington. The game featured future Yankees manager Dick Hauser at shortstop for Kansas City, future Red Sox owner Haywood Sullivan catching for the Athletics, future Red Sox brought, uh, future Reds broadcaster Joe Nuxall pitching in relief for the A's, and future Yankee and American League umpire Bill Kunkel also pitching in relief for the Athletics. Thursday, August 3rd, the Yankees... Tried for the sweep against Kansas City, but lost 6-1 to in 2 hours and 39 minutes before 12,584. Bud Daly suffered the defeat, dropping to 8-15. and But rookie Al Downing pitched four innings of scoreless relief. Bronx native Bob Shaw hurled the complete game victory for the Athletics. With the Tigers beating Washington, the Yankees at 67-37 and led Detroit by a game and a half. Ted Williams also made news. Remember, he had retired the season before. And uh, this story appeared in the Sporting News. I'll read it verbatim. Normally, Ted Williams is not a betting man, but the former Red Sox outfielder has made a couple of wagers. One is that Mickey Mantle or Roger Maris will top Babe Ruth's record of 60 home runs, and that the other is that the American League team will beat its National League rival in the World Series. Quote, I'm probably the first guy to come right out and say that the home run record will be broken. I've been thinking in terms of these guys hitting 65 homers before the 162-game season ends. Williams thinks that Mantle has the best shot at 61 or more homers, considering that Nicky was a switch hitter. And according to Ted Williams, quote, he hits the ball a mile and Yankee Stadium's made for him. Well, Roger Maris ended up breaking the record, and the American League did beat the National League in the World Series, the Yankees topping the Reds. Friday, August 4th, Roger Maris slugged his 41st tournament of the season, a three-run shot in the first inning. But the Yankees needed 10 innings to beat the Minnesota Twins 8-5 to on a three-run walk-off homer by Johnny Blanchard, his 14th of the season. 
Luis Arroyo won the two-hour and 41-minute game in relief in front of 24,109. It was his ninth win of the year against three defeats. At 68-37, and 37, the Yankees had a one-and-a-half game lead over Detroit. Saturday, August 5th. It was a pitcher's duel at the stadium, and both starters hurled the distance. Jack Kralick for Minnesota and Jim Coates for the Yankees. With the game tied 1-1 in the bottom of the eighth, Roger Maris delivered a one-out single, and Mickey Mantle followed with a triple as the M&M boys, without homers, delivered for the Yankees again, winning 2-1 in the two-hour and 42-minute game before 18,880 at the stadium. The Tigers won again, defeating Cleveland, so the Yankees were in first by a game and a half with a 69-37 and record. Sunday, August 6th. It was a doubleheader at Yankee Stadium and a big day for the Yankees and Mickey Mantle. In the first game, which lasted 15 innings, Mantle slugged two home runs, numbers 41 and 42, as New York defeated the Twins 7-6. With all of the Yankees' firepower, the winning run scored on a fielder's choice groundout by Yogi Berra, ending the four-hour and 16-minute marathon. Berra was hustling down the line, beating ex-teammate Billy Martin's relay throw from second to first baseman Harmon Killebrew on what was thought to be a double play ball. In the second game, a two-hour and 26-minute affair, the Yankees snapped a 2-2 tie in the bottom of the ninth to win 3-2 on a walk-off single by Cleet Boyer at 9.22 p.m. That walk-off single scoring mantle. Earlier in the game, the Mick slugged his 43rd homer of the season. Both starting pitchers Al Schroll of the Angels and Roland Sheldon of the Yankees went the distance with Sheldon notching his eighth win against three losses. So the Yankees had another doubleheader sweep, this time in front of 39,408. By the way, I should say that it was the Yankees beating the Twins in that second game and not the Angels. The Angels were coming into town, though. By the way, here's what uh, some of the people were, were commenting about uh, Maris and Howard and, you know, just kidding around the cage. After depositing three consecutive pitches in the stands in batting practice, Roger Maris yielded the batting cage to Elston Howard and quipped, quote, if I was hitting 360, I wouldn't even bother to take batting practice. Howard grinned and said, and I wouldn't bother to take it if I had 41 homers. Uh, Moy Wills also in the news. The Dodgers shortstop hit his first career home run, and he did it against Jack Curtis. This was on August 6th. As Maury circled the bases, his teammates conspired to give him the silent treatment. They ignored him when he returned to the dugout. But when Wills found a place on the bench, they crowded around him and offered congratulations. Wills, by the way, hit his first home run in 1,167 at-bats. With the Tigers splitting a doubleheader, the Yankees at 71-37 and 37 now had a two-and-a-half game lead over Detroit. In the National League, the Dodgers were back in first place by percentage points, though they trailed the Reds by a half game by virtue of the fact Cincinnati had played five more games than the Dodgers. Also, this note from Dan Daniel in the Sporting News. The Yankees put on a very interesting home run telecast before the recent doubleheader with Minnesota. The program was incorporated into the Red Barber pregame show. 
Mickey Mantle and Roger Maris appeared with Red on the show. Uh, by the way, Daniel saw Babe Ruth hit most of his 60 homers in 1927. And uh, he was also in on the show, and he told how the babe had that rare gift of laughter, how he could laugh even at himself if he fanned with runners on, on the base paths. Mantle couldn't believe it, that the babe could really chuckle over his own failures. Mantle and Maris insisted that while beating the record would be very interesting, they were out to help Ralph Hawk win the pennant. If the homers come along, they said fine and dandy. They were reluctant to become involved in the local four-base furor and refused to discuss Commissioner Ford Frick's ruling that a new home run record would be accomplished only if it occurred inside 154 games. So Mantle and Roger, they weren't talking during that Red Barber pregame show. Monday, or they weren't talking about uh, the commissioner's so-called asterisk during Barber's show. Red Barber here. Monday, August 7th. The Los Angeles Angels were in town, and Ralph Houck was back in the dugout following his five-day suspension, and the Yankees continued their winning ways with a 4-1 victory. Yogi Berra hit the game's only homer, his 14th of the season, in front of 13,944. Both starting pitchers, Ken McBride for the Angels and Bud Daly for the Yankees, hurled the distance, Daly improving to 9-15. The Tigers were off. So that at 72 and 37, the Yankees had a three game edge over Detroit. Tuesday, August 8th, the Yankees played another extra inning game, and for the second contest in a row, Yogi Berra hit the game's only home run as New York trimmed the Angels 5 to 4 in 10 innings on a walk off single by Roger Maris that ended the three hour affair in front of 24,084. Reliever Luis Arroyo improved to 10 and 3 with a victory while well, future Yankees pitching coach and drinking buddy Art Fowler suffered the loss. He was the drinking buddy to Billy Martin when Martin managed the Yankees. With the Tigers winning 3-0, over, although he might have been a drinking buddy to a lot of other players, too, and coaches. With the Tigers winning 3-0 over the White Sox behind Jim Bunning, the Yanks at 73-37 and maintained their three-game edge over Detroit. Wednesday, August 9th. The Red Hot Yankees won again, blanking the Angels 2-0 as Jim Coates tossed a complete game four-hit shutout in front of 17,261 at the stadium in a, to- in a tidy one hour and 59 minutes. Meanwhile, the Tigers won again. So at 74-37, and the Yankees were still in first place by three games. It was also a day that the Yankees signed amateur free agent Mike Hegan, whose dad, Jim, was the ball club's bullpen coach. Thursday, August 10th. The series wrapped up with the Yankees completing a sweep with a 3-1 victory over the Angels on a solo homer by Bobby Richardson and a solo homer by Yogi Berra and a solo homer by Bill Scourin. That's right. That's how the Yankees scored their runs. Homers by Richardson, Berra, and Scourin. How about that? The result also made a winner of Whitey Ford its 20th victory of the season against two losses. Luis Sorroyo nailed down the two-hour and ten-minute game with his 22nd save in front of 15,575. The Tigers won again, so the Yankees at 75-37 and 37 still led Detroit by three games. Meanwhile, New York Daily News sports columnist Dick Young quoted Billy Martin as saying he wouldn't be surprised if he, meaning Martin, was with the Mets in 1962. 
And Young hinted that with the big ovation Leo DeRocher got at the Yankees' old-timers' day, he ought to be considered for the Mets' manager's job if Mets' president George Weiss hasn't settled on Casey Stengel. And he hinted that ex-New York giant Bill Terry might be interested in the Houston Colt 45's managerial position. And in the upcoming August 16th edition of the Sporting News, Elston Howard would be the subject of a featured story. Well, that is going to do it for our latest Baseball 61 podcast. Be sure to follow our podcast in the Apple Podcast Directory, Google, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. You can also visit Baseball61.com. And as always, thanks for listening. I'm Dan Lavallo.